Today's episode of The Beat is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Michigan and Michigan State tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find out the answer with Game Time, the ticket-buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last-minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy a ticket in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score some last-minute tickets. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Beat uh, in two different time zones today. Uh, I am in Ann Arbor. Brendan is in Chicago. I am Nick Baumgartner, of course. Brendan Quinn from Chicago. Brendan, what's going on? I'm in Hammond, Indiana. Nick. I'm sorry, you're not and in there Chicago. Is, the, the you were at a truck courtyard. stop. <laughs> 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 Got to get it done, man. Got to get the pod out. Uh, yeah. We have to give a big shout out here. Right off the top. Oh, yes, yes. Go my ma- my man, Travis James Humphrey, there at the top of the show uh, on the guitar. The mm-hmm. story behind how this came to be uh, was recently at a bar in Portland, Maine, on a Friday. As you do. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. happens in a man's life. And uh, yep. uh, hell of a guy in the corner of the bar, just playing covers. Sounds awesome. And... Uh, Needs no more. I thought to myself, you know, if there's going to be someone that we can get an intro song from for yeah. the podcast, I want it to be this guy. We got in touch. Lo and behold, he, he loved the idea, was all aboard. So, boom. Now we have an intro song from uh, the great Travis James Humphrey. I uh, encourage everyone to check him out uh, on his Find his, find his SoundCloud, folks. <laughs> yeah, he's on, uh, he's Spotify, on right? Spotify. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and if you're in Portland, Maine... Go to uh, I forget the name of the bar as as I'm wont to do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> whatever, he's there probably. He's probably he's him. probably in one of the seven bars, <laughs> six bars in the uh, what have they got a town square up there? That's probably a colonial town. It's, right? it's a good town, man. It's yeah. a it's a real good real good foodie town. But uh, yeah, we appreciate him uh, allowing us to use his stuff. So uh, it's awesome. I think it's. Uh, a man of constant sorrow, Nick. Is Perfect. There a, is there a more apt description? <laughs> no, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. We should have been doing that a long time ago. I think that would have been perfect. Uh, so today, uh, since Brendan was in Chicago yesterday for um, on Wednesday anyway for uh, Big Ten basketball media day, basketball practice has started. Uh, I know we talked to Phil Martelli last week, uh, and there's a lot of football still going on. But I did want to do. Uh, maybe an episode on some uh, on some hoops, maybe a hoops preview uh, for the people. Yes, so sir. I think we can I think we can accomplish that. You were obviously with uh, Juwan Howard uh, for for most of the day. We can start with Michigan, then we'll go to Michigan State. As uh, Juwan Howard's the new guy here, Michigan State's probably the better team. But uh, Juwan Howard's first media day, not a fun thing for any coach. No, <laughs> it looks miserable. Bit, it's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible for us. It's worse for them. Uh, I don't know if anyone enjoys it. Maybe the kids do because I think they get to ride on a private plane. I think that's probably the only, the only uh, people involved in this that actually maybe don't hate it. Maybe they get a free meal. That's pretty good. I don't know. 
That sounds right. I imagine most people watching on TV or following on Twitter during an event like Media Day, and this goes for football too. Actually, football is worse. Um, But yeah, it is just this gauntlet um, uh, for the for the coaches and players. I mean, the gauntlet of you just get shuttled from one room to the other to the other, and it's a photo shoot, and then it's a ten minutes with someone from ESPN, then ten minutes with someone from CBS, then ten minutes with someone from ESPN photos, like a little photo shoot. And then it's, you know, this digital marketing thing. And then it's this, and it's this, and it's this. And then, oh, an informal press conference. Oh, and you have to sit at a table for 50 minutes with uh, a bunch of of hacks like us. And uh, that's the only good part for us is because it's actually like human contact as opposed to Mm -hmm. yelling questions at a stage. Um, So it was very interesting to watch Juwan Howard go through his first one. Because let's start with recognizing like what's actually happening at Michigan. It's a yep. guy who was in the NBA for 25 years. The last six years, he was as an NBA assistant coach. No one like NBA assistant coaches get maybe less attention than college assistant coaches do. Oh yeah. They're like, it's like NFL assistants. You don't know who they are. I mean, they just, exactly. they're just like, they're just like, they're just, they're just people somewhere right. on the side. Yeah. <laughs> they're right. Just there. Yeah. Um, like, Meanwhile, at Michigan and Michigan State, like the assistant coaches every year are like, everyone knows who about, they are. Like, yeah. <laughs> at like, you know, yeah. Luke Yakovich was like more more covered than some like current head coaches in college basketball. Playing that uh, game, man. That's right. That's right. You gotta get a job. So, yep. um, yeah, Juwan has not like I've talked to people who covered the Heat when he was there, right? And it was very much like if you just go over and start kind of small talk with him, you can talk hoops, you can talk mm-hmm. about the team, whatever. If you're just kind of keeping a chill. He's a great guy to talk to. He'll, you know, be very informative and helpful and stuff like that. The second you pull out a tape recorder, yeah. the second you say, hey, well, you know, tell me about you or something about you, like, it's just the wall's up and he was just not interested in it at all. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the, uh, I think, headspace that he was walking into this job with, but then also realizing, like, he has to change, right? You're the face of a yeah. program. This is a different world. So um, this was a... I mean, other than his intro press conference, this was the third time that he's spoken to gathered reporters, and he was hired does in that, May. Does that include the one time that we talked, like, yes. off? Well, I guess we did talk on the record that day, too, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he did yeah. the intro oh. press conference, which was just, you know... Oh, my and, God, and that's the, it, then. Yeah. Just the emotional, you know, <laughs> yeah. just release where he could, you know, barely keep it together up there for the, the first couple parts, and then kind of just spit out some answers and left. Um, then he did a little roundtable with the local guys, mm-hmm. and then yeah. he did this... So that's it. Um, yeah. I sat down with him once for like 20 minutes, but that's pretty much all he's done. So right. this was kind of uh, another of unveiling. And he. I thought he was – I mean, did you watch his press conference? No, I haven't watched the whole thing back yet, but I've read enough stuff now, I think, uh, to get the, to get a basic idea. It was uncomfortable. I yeah. We're, I thought we're, he looked uncomfortable. Which is, which is usually with a first-time head coach. Yep. I've found that the, the first time they do anything like this, it's uh, from a podium like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tough. Like, because I mean, and think about that for a minute, okay? Like, as a regular person, like when when would Jawan Howard have ever in his life had to be had to be standing in front of a a podium like that? I, I don't know. You probably when go he, back to like when he went pro, when he decided, or when he uh, yeah, when, I mean, Bru- when Bruce brought him into the whatever media room existed in '94 right. or whatever, and said. You know, when you he was in everybody. Washington and he was an all-star for a year and he signed the big contract, like back then, I'm sure he yeah. had to do like 
press but you're, conferences. But, you're, like but he's that. sitting but, next to somebody, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, you're sitting next to somebody. And this thing is just different because you're on this a big elevated stage. It's live on TV. Right. It's, it's blah, blah, blah. Like, um, it's just a different world. So I think he wants to be very careful not to say anything out of line. I think he wants to be very careful just because he doesn't want to slip up or just do anything that, you know, he would worry would be embarrassing or whatever. Right. And it's, it's hard. And the thing about Juwan talked to I've spoken to a number of people who known him since he was a kid and like he's a pretty intensely private person he's never really uh wanted media attention or spotlight or things to be about him uh that goes all the way back to his fat five days when everyone would like kind of build him as like the responsible adult yep. in the room for that whole crew and you know if that's your disposition and suddenly you're the biggest story, it's right. not fun. And like, if you go back and read stuff about his, him getting that contract in the years that immediately followed, like he did not handle or he did not enjoy the amount mm-hmm. of attention and, and kind of uh, expectations that came with being, you know, a hundred million dollar man and blah, 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 blah. And I don't know if anyone would, but especially if that's right. your personality, yeah, that's kind of a, that's kind of a rough, uh, rough combination. So that was that's just a long preface to um, him going through yesterday, and I didn't think the you know the press conference was nothing great. I think he kind of had some things he wanted to say, and was just going to say it regardless, and just kind of got through it. But then the rest of the morning, I shadowed him, mm-hmm. and he starts bouncing into rooms, and you just kind of see this person. Yep, the change come well. come out of nowhere, you know, and suddenly he's laughing and joking, having a great time, and it was just it was like two different people. Um, really enjoyed it and that's what i wrote for today um and we'll get into you know him sitting at a round table for 50 minutes was especially interesting because uh you know everyone's very curious about what right the and that's, hell this is going to look like <laughs> that's the most important part of this because i think we can all understand um whatever cachet he has in, in a recruit's home we we get you know because like you said when he walks into a room and it's away from microphone uh there's not seven people in any room anywhere in America who don't know who he is. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just like that's one of those things that strikes you that he's everybody, somebody somewhere all the time seems to come up to him and give him a hug and be like, "Hey, I remember you from, remember me from 27 years ago? We met at this." You know, everywhere and he's like, he oh, goes. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, like right. it's crazy. I mean, it's like in some ways that's more than it's as much. It's probably, it's more than Harbaugh in some ways mm-hmm. that that happened with. I mean, he had a lot of that too, but it's at least on the same level. But in terms of actual basketball yeah you know i know we talked to phil martelli last week on the show and uh he had a couple we didn't get much into the team but i mean i think he did say something that sort of uh struck strongly anyway in saying that you know we haven't talked much about you know what we're going to do here uh and i think part of that may be by design but also his you know lasting idea was like if people out there you know think this guy doesn't know how to coach then you know they're 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 wrong Right, and and so were you guys able to get into any? Uh, I don't know if you got you probably didn't get any deep discussions on philosophy or whatever else, but I mean, were you able to glean enough from what he said in terms of you know, yeah, this guy knows what he this guy knows basketball. Whenever when everything changes and goes right into the gym, he's going to be fine. Yeah, so a, a couple things. Like one thing that was interesting was I asked him um, back in two thousand three. He had what I thought was a really interesting quote that I wrote down and I have it right. I thought I had it right here. It was basically that if you, if you are defined by a position, 
Here it is. So this, yeah. this is 2003. Long time. Player, this is the quote. Players who have a set position, I feel, are limited. And, you know, every coach in America nowadays is going to say, we're going to play fast and we're going to play positionless basketball, right? That's what everyone's right. going to say. Um, like, okay, what, well, what does position basketball, positionless basketball mean? Okay, like, it's just like, it's such a buzz word that it's almost like gotten to the point of being empty, you know, um, where it's like, so does that mean you're just going to put your five best players on the court and roll the ball out like Jerry Tarkanian style or what's actually right. happening here, man? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I asked him about it and he said that he's just kind of always thought about, um, you know, where the game is going and not where it is and, you know, wanting to get the best out of any athlete's skill level and talent level. And it doesn't need to be restricted by you're seven foot, so you need to play center. And yeah, you're yeah, yeah. six nine, so you don't get to play out of a ball screen. And you're this, and it's just going to be, you know, this player's good at this, so this is what he's going to do, as opposed to you're the three, so you're going to do what a three does. And you're the point guard, so you're going to do what a point guard does. Right. Um, you know, if, if Isaiah Livers can bring the ball up, then he can bring the ball up. I'm not saying that's going to happen, and actually he needs to work on his ball handling more than anything, <laughs> but I'm just using kind of an example um yeah like so he talked about that and he talked about um he's not going to like give you ball screen strategies or anything Mm -hmm. like that but it is getting i think it's pretty clear that they're gonna basically run what the miami heat the heat run yeah run and um how does that look because it's easy to just ask basketball players to do what NBA basketball players do, but it doesn't really work that way, you know. Um, we'll, we'll Could see they need you to hit goes. that eighteen footer, buddy? You yeah, know, like, exactly. Yeah. Um, so uh, we'll see. Uh, Dylan actually asked the Dylan Burkhardt actually asked a really interesting question about you know the players on Michigan's roster were recruited by a very specific head coach for a very specific system. Oh yeah, that's so important. You yeah. know, and now you have to institute your system into this roster. And he was just like, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a really big, yeah. You, you can kind of tell that, I think. Because that's I, not like that in most other teams. He wouldn't have walked into that situation right. in most other places. Right. And, you know, okay, what offense do you want to have? All right, well, now consider the fact that you have a point guard who doesn't really dribble with his left hand and doesn't shoot threes at right. a high clip, right? Or, okay. or, or do anything off the dribble other than a hook shot. Sure. So, you know, right. like there's, there's certain things that you kind of work around. Um one of the interesting things about what this is going to look like coaching-wise was that asking him, what do practices look like? The staff, no one on the staff has ever worked together, as we talked right. about with Phil. And, you know, he said at in-game, like, stuff will be delegated. He didn't break down who's mm-hmm. doing what. But, like, I think it will be, you know, Martelli has inbounds plays and yep. timeouts. And Sadi has – this is all hypothetical. Sadi has um, – substitutions and Howard Isley has kind of that overarching view on the offense. Maybe he's calling the plays, right? Mm -hmm. Um, He he did say that Sadi's working more with the defense. Howard Isley's working more with the offense. Martelli's kind of just overseeing, you know, just just being, being the godfather. Being being Phil. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, you know, he, he also, he talked glowingly about every player, obviously. Sure. Um, did nothing to slow down any hype building around Franz Wagner. 
said, you know, if he were in, a, in the U.S., he would have been a five-star recruit, blah, blah, mm. blah. He can shoot. He can defend better than anyone thinks. He can pass. He can do this. He can do that. So it's like I left. I walked into it thinking Franz Wagner is going to be a day-one starter, and I left thinking Franz Wagner is definitely going to yeah. be a day-one yeah. starter. Um, spoke highly can, more and more about um, Brandon Johns and just said that he shoot, you know, has such a beautiful shot and he just kind of needs to find that extra gear and things like that. Um, so it was a little bit repetitive from what he said previously, but um, this thing's coming together. And I just think so much of this is Juwan Howard getting comfortable being the yeah. head basketball coach at a place the size of Michigan. Yeah, it's like it was interesting because in a lot of ways it's familiar with Beeline because Beeline hated all the personal stuff. He hated being asked about things that he wasn't prepared to talk about. He was very awkward in those situations, even after many, many years of being a head coach. Um, but I can still remember because yesterday, you know, Juwan got asked about, uh, as all the coaches did, about the NIL stuff. And, you know, clearly I was wondering what he was going to say with that one, but it was I knew he was going to basically say, I got enough to worry about here. I can't. Yeah. I'm not going to get into this. And, and that's all fine. I don't think that, you know, that's something that's probably, you know, he's not the football coach, so he's not going to be asked to do more of that stuff than, than the average whatever. Uh, but, yeah, I think that the, the more important part is what is it like, and we don't see this, but what is it like uh, when they shut the doors and they go practice? Because I, I got to think that, you know, when you're the head coach, you know, everything you do, you're touching everything now. And, and right. what is – what you know? How are players reacting to that? How are they adapting to that? And that ultimately, I think, will be, you know, as important right now as anything. It, whatever they run is whatever. But I mean, how he's handling himself on a day-to-day basis in terms of you're in charge. You know, yeah. whatever you say goes. Not what Phil says, you know, or whatever. If Saudi has, a, you know, it's your call. And so that, for a first-time head coach, I think, you know, has got to be the biggest maybe hurdle to climb. And I'll be curious for your thoughts on this because this is what I wrote today and. Like as yesterday went on and on, I just got more and more kind of fascinated by this idea that like I, I think it is so underappreciated or un, underlooked, whatever word you want to use, like just how completely different he is than every other coach. In yeah, the, there's like, really nobody like him. They are. It is career assist. It is career college basketball coaches, other than Fred Hoiberg. Yeah. All yeah. 12, so take out Juwan Howard and Fred Hoiberg. The yeah. other 12 head coaches in the Big Ten have all been in on college coaching staffs for at least 15 years. Right. Tom Izzo's been on a, in a college basketball coach for, <laughs> for 40, like 40 years. years. The, <laughs> but he, and even Hoiberg was a head coach for five yeah, for, years. Yeah. So if you take everyone from Hoiberg at five years to um, – Izzo at 40 and everyone in between, mm-hmm. the average head, co- or head coach in the Big Ten, not named Juwan Howard, has been a college coach, this is an actual number, for an average of 24.5 years. God. That's like, intense, man. Yeah. And then you, and have then you also Howard. got and and you also Howard Isley, who's never... Yeah. Never been there, right. Yeah. So... Like, these guys have all spent their careers working to this, right? What is yeah. it going to be like when I'm a college coach because this is what they've been building decades for. Mm-hmm. And you have Juwan, who, like, yesterday he's talking – the stories that he's telling is about, like, yeah, when I was in Miami, I uh, 
the locker that I wanted originally, I got in the far corner. So I was as far away from LeBron as possible because I don't like how many media would be around his locker at every game. So I wanted to like really isolate myself. But then one day I went into practice uh, and I came back out and my locker plate was moved. And I'm like, well, what the hell is this? Like, what happened? Mm -hmm. And I look over and now my locker and my locker was right next to LeBron. Because Spolster wanted me to sit right next to LeBron to kind of be, you know, his guy. Like, that's the story Jawan's telling at his table. Yeah. And right next to it, like, Brad Underwood's talking about God knows what or, you know, Archie right. Miller and these dudes, right? And it's just like... Richard, and, Richard Pitino's talking about coaching at Florida International. For <laughs> year right. And, like, you just watch, like, Juwan move through a room and everyone just... The heads are all just kind of go yeah, with Yeah, 100%. Him, you know, it's just he's so different than everyone. And it's it, fascinating. It's it's that's that's a thing that um, I think a lot of people on the surface will look at that and say that's something he should be able to capitalize on with in recruiting, but I think w when you really look at it, um, especially with a college basketball team that's smaller, it's only thirteen, fourteen, whatever players, uh, that should be something that helps him develop a chemistry or a bond or a relationships or whatever with the, because I think that at the end of the day, one of Juwan Howard's biggest strengths is probably just being part of a team, right? Just like yeah. Just being a guy, you know, not, not he's not a kid, but I mean, just kind of being a guy who's in the locker room and he's been there before. He's grinded through all the things they're grinding through. I think he can sympathize with them and all these types of things. And I think that that is a super underrated uh, part of college coaching. And uh, mm -hmm. if we're honest, it's something that John Beeline never really had. And it, it's a lot of uh, when they when they would have disconnect, um, it was rare because he was such a good coach. But when they would have disconnect, a lot of times I think it was. It was that right there. It was the difference between, and you do need the difference between player and coach, but sometimes that gap would be so wide mm -hmm. that it was hard for some guys to close that. And I think that it can't be understated, um, and I'm sure everybody that you talk to, and of course the players are going to say this because it's brand new, but they all love the guy, right? I mean, because I think that they, they see him as a coach, but they also see him as, you know, what he says is he's it's coming from a place of, I've been there, man. I've been there at the highest of the highest level on every level right. of the sport and that's hard to that's hard to replicate right and the interesting thing like to build on that is when when beeline would recruit yeah he would openly say like i'm going to be your basketball coach and that's it that, that's yeah. the that's the conversation i'm going to be your yeah. basketball coach that's right? it i'm not your dad i'm not you, your mom yeah you never that, heard yeah. him say stuff like fatherly figure you never well, open about that too yeah ever, no problem he, yeah. he never went in that direction and it was totally fine that's the space he wanted to live in because i always thought it was especially fine because he never tried mm -hmm. to play like both sides of that coin like it was clear right yeah and he recruited a team that signed up for that and now they have a coach who is a guy who's going to be very much about like you know we are in this together i'm here for you and i think it will kind of tread a little bit more into that big brother yeah fatherly type and that's important thing, you that's know important. And it was interesting, he was talking about recruiting yesterday, and he got into, you know, he just openly said, he's like, I haven't signed anyone yet. You know, you guys are asking me about the NLI stuff. Yeah. I don't, I my head hasn't stopped spinning. I have not signed a recruit and blah, blah, blah. And he went into this whole thing that, like, I'm trying to find, like, what, one of the interesting things, he actually said this, which I've never heard a coach say. He goes, I think once we get one, you're going to see a snowball effect mm -hmm. and i'm like well it's kind of a, it's a bold it's thing a to bold say it's, proclamation, but it sounds good but if it doesn't actually happen you know you have that yeah. quote hanging out there that people get yeah. to bring up every 10 minutes um but 
he got into that whole thing of like, you know, I was the first one of the Fab Five. I was the one who recruited Weber. Yeah. I believed in Steve Fisher. I believed in Michigan. And I need somebody to do that now. Like, it was yeah. very clear that whoever, you know, the guys that he's talking to right now, and these are, you know, the top 50 players in America, he is, that is the pitch right now. Like, who's going to yeah. be me? Who's right. going to be the one that takes right. a bet Get this on me? Yeah. And, like, that's an interesting, Yeah. you know, you're putting that out there now. The first kid that signs, it's going to be, like, being Juwan Howard's first recruit is going to be a big, big deal. Big deal. I think that's how you sell it to it too, right? Mm-hmm. Though I mean, that's that's an interesting way of do, putting. Yeah, but it, but do also, kids want that, or do kids want to go to the NBA? Uh, yeah, I mean, like that's a different that's a different mode. But I also think, and again, not to get far off of that. I mean, the recruiting part is important, but you gotta once you gotta get them here. But then when they're here, you gotta get them to play for you. And that's and sure. that's kind of the that's kind of the thing where when we look at Michigan, when we look at football, um, you know, Harbaugh's gotten a lot of kids to come here and then there are times where you say okay what's the relationship like once they get here you know does it does that change uh is it the same is it similar is it something where and i think again i think it's probably easier in a basketball setting because there's less bodies Mm. but i do think that whatever happens there yeah maybe that's an interesting pitch where maybe it works maybe it doesn't he's gonna have a better chance once he gets kids here um to keep them on board and to keep and to keep pushing them forward i just feel like his credibility as a player and as a as a guy and like a yeah. to to steal a line from our friend uh, Cody Keeler, a dude's dude, right? <laughs> I mean, he's just a guy. I think that people like to be around, and I think that that's that's got to pay off for him. Uh, you know, once once those doors close and once you know, because I mean, if you can get Xavier Simpson to think you're you're okay, I think that's gonna probably go a long way for you. Right. It's like and and getting that, I, I do kind of agree in theory on that whole like if you get one. You know, things, sure, things sure. are going to happen. Like That's how it works. On, yeah. on my other podcast, at one point when Dylan and I were talking, he, he, we put the over-under at one five-star in his first class. You know, would you take the over-under? When did you say that? This was a when month after he got hired. Like last probably. week? Okay. No, no, no. This was a while back. You put and, an over-under at, at one for this I, class? Yeah. Oh, boy. And my answer was like, it's hard to yeah. say. It's either zero or two. It's zero. It's not going to be one. Yeah, you know? I don't think he's going to get one in this class. It won't be. It definitely won't only be one. If they get one, they'll get another one. That's fair. Or they get nobody. Yeah. <laughs> you know I think. I, mean? I think it. I think I would go under, but I. I totally agree with what you just said. If they get one, it'll be more. Mm-hmm. I. Th- I don't think they'll get one, but if they do, I think it'll be. I think. Now why don't you think they'll get one? Because I. I think that that's. Because you're just a Michigan. <laughs> that's hater. a lot harder. That's no. But that's a lot harder <laughs> to do than people want to. I mean, yeah. the competition that he has for these guys. How many five-stars are there? 20? Yeah, 25? 25 or so. Damn, man. I mean, like, that's really hard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to get one of those guys. That's not easy to do, especially when you don't really have... I don't I don't think that's a fair expectation to have of him right. in, in his first season. I don't. I think that's... I think that uh, for people who casually follow recruiting and have a basic idea of how it works, and they, and they think, okay, well, it's John Howard. Everybody knows who John Howard is. That's going to automatically mean he pulls a guy. I mean, that's that's pretty reductive. I mean, it's it's harder to do. And again, we saw this with football. Everybody thought Jim Harbaugh was going to roll in that first class, even though it was a transition year, and just start yanking guys from all over the place and pulling them in. And he got himself to the table with a lot of guys. And he got mm-hmm. the Michigan hat on the table when they had to pick the hats. Uh, more an, an impressive number, to be honest. But he didn't land anywhere near as many as people and he didn't land any really in that first class um and i think that we might see something like that with juan where i think he gets himself 
to the door with a good number of guys, but I'm not sure he lands them yet. Because I think that that's, I mean, those relationships, he's, he's, he's playing behind on, on everybody. I mean, he knows kids, right? He knows the scene because his kids play AU ball, but this isn't like Penny Hardaway where he was right. a coach. I mean, he had guys. He had guys that were like, I'm going to go with you wherever you go, no matter what. You know, if you are coaching at Memphis or mm-hmm. UCLA or whatever the hell. So, I don't know. I, I, I think it's going to be tougher right now because um, guys are guys don't know what to what to think because they haven't seen him play yet. Right. And, and they don't know what it's going to look like. So, you know, I could be wrong, though. I agree with you. If he gets one, I think it'll it'll snowball. All you need sometimes in basketball is one. But I mean, um, I, I, the, the thing is, like, for – Without a doubt, he's working his ass off. Yeah, he's yeah, everywhere true. in recruiting, true. and and they're I mean, trying. It's not like they're ignoring the five stars. Holy dude, shit! shit last, <laughs> last night, right there in Chicago for media day, on a you know they had the charter plane and everything, but he was in West Virginia that night. Yeah, right. With the Brakefield kid, yeah. who's at a what's it called Huntington? Mm-hmm. Another five star. He's like a top forty. I don't yeah. think he's a five star. I think he's a four star, but he's a top fifty kid. He'd be a you know yeah. he'd be a big time get. Um, yeah, was in home with him. On the same day as media day in a different city. Yeah. And, you know, and like, you know, as well as I do, there are a lot of coaches that like to like almost will intentionally do that to be like, I'm jumping, you know, to show how much they want yeah, you to be a, like, yeah, I was in Chicago yeah. today. Just yeah. hopped on the plane and made sure we swung down here to see you on the way back or something. You know, the right. kid's going to be like, oh, well, yeah. that's kind of cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, speaking of um, before we go to a break here, speaking of uh, five star talent, uh, the other team you cover, mm-hmm. Michigan State. Uh, in a much different scenario and situation, uh, are they not? Has the poll come out yet? The preseason top twenty-five, the AP? No, not that I've seen. Yeah, are they going to be what anywhere lower than two, three? I think there'll be one. One has to be one, right? Yeah. I so the num- probably the number one team in the country. Um, everybody knows how much they brought back. Uh, everybody knows the situation. I mean, what do you? What do you really glean? I mean, this is a – and in some ways, Izzo's had these teams before, right, where they bring back mm-hmm. a lot of talent, they bring back a lot of guys. And it seems like every time that's happened, um, Izzo enters the season with this, like, with, like, pressure dripping off of his body where he's just like, oh, you guys need to just calm down on your – you know, and all this, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if that's happening right now because he's got – because he's got two really pretty cool dudes – uh, cool customers anyway, and, and Tillman and, and Winston. I kind of feel like that probably takes. I'm, I'm yeah, and I that think it's some of that pressure you know, away. I mean, they they went to the Final Four right last year. You know, like it's as much as he can be anyway, or as much as he would be. I I also think that him at this age is just going to be different than years past. And I mean, when I talked to him this summer in his office for an extended period of time, he went through yeah. and said, "Okay, like." I legitimately thought that we were national championship contenders these other times and rattled off four or five years. And I, like most of those years, they they did go to the Final Four. Yeah. Um, and he's like, this team is, is right there. And, you know, he said it the other day right before practice where he's like, this is not the 2008 Carolina yeah. team, you know, coming back or anything like that. But we've got a lot of really good players back and we've got – you know, young guys who can step up. Like he's, I think he's been very matter of fact about what the team yeah. is this year. And Frank, I mean, to be anything else would be so ridiculous. Like you've got it, Cassius Winston is the first, first team AP yeah. all American guard to come back since JJ Redick. Like this does not happen. Okay. Yeah, so 
Like you, you just can't you you can't try to like downplay it or, or act like oh, you guys are probably undervaluing us. Now he did say that Winston like tweaked a hamstring already or something. That God knows what, but I'm sure right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice frothy storyline to distract everything in the preseason, but um, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm expecting them. To, I'm expecting them to come out and, and look pretty damn good against Kentucky yeah, on right. November fifth. I'll say that this right this team. Does does this team feel you mentioned this isn't the two, this isn't the 08 Carolina team or whatever or one of those or like one of those Florida teams that won it and came back? This one feels maybe a little bit like that Wisconsin team that sure. uh, went I to the final I, yeah, four yeah, yeah, I mean, and then came back and won like thirty seven games and got to the title game. You know what I'm saying? Like it 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 found itself like that team found right. itself in January February. Here's the thing that like and then made gets... a run to the final four and then everybody came back. And but they, they knew what they awesome. were. They knew what they were going Not like into that, loaded that with talent, like NBA dripping, year. you know, everywhere. And not and that they're not loaded. But This Michigan yeah, right. State thing, team, that, that the thing that's not being yeah. talked about enough yeah. is the evolution that that group went through last year with, with Xavier Tillman taking over that the five spot and the offense kind of just morphing oh, yeah, into a lot more ball screen stuff with Cassius Winston and kind of more pro style, whatever you want to call it. Um they were a different team, and they're. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we, yeah right. We used to get the question yeah. all the time: What would so Cassius you go into this year? And D-line? I mean, you watched you it last year. You go into this year, the, the season. Michigan State never switched screens the way they did last year, right? And now, now they're going into this year being like, "We want to switch one through no, five. They did all. They never did any like, of the stuff they were yeah, doing, which, yeah. and also which laps. You know what other defenses can do. There are just right, there are some can. coaches that don't have the personnel to even consider doing yeah. that. Well, you, Xavier Tillman might be the best ball screen defender, no, as a postman in the country. He has he yeah. has to be. I don't know anyone who's better because there's not going to be any. I mean, unless there's so, a freshman you know, you coming have, in. There was nobody last year that I saw. defense where you know where you are, whereas last year they were kind of now. picking it up as they went along, and they were adjusting to their absolute credit. That's what got them to the Final Four. Um, and now you come in this year, and yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that's a really yeah. – that that Wisconsin yeah, – they're obviously very different teams and run different stuff and different different bodies. But, yeah, what you're, what you're the overarching kind of narrative – Yeah, they're not the same that, team, I'll, but it's the I'll same idea. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what, before we just anoint them as undefeated and going to the championship and winning the thing, like what do we see as, because obviously they, you lost a presence in Goins Definitely not. and McQuaid that were, that are that are not going to be valued as highly by the casual observer because they were, you know, seniors who weren't explosive or whatever, but there was certainly a, mm-hmm. I mean, those were the guys who got them on on track as much as Cassius did in some ways uh, in January, February, and now they're gone. And I mean, is, is that enough of a, I guess my question is, is that enough of a, is that enough of a question mark to even consider that a weakness? I mean, what, what weaknesses uh, are we looking at here from a team that doesn't seem to have something an awful that lot of will them? be, you know, more than disruptive. I, just to, I think I wrote, I don't know when it was this week or last week that, you know, the, yeah. the most, overlooked storyline is just how much they're going to miss uh, Kenny Goins and Matt McQuaid early on. You know, 
McQuaid made 70, 73 three-pointers last year. Shot 42%. Mm-hmm. Kenny Goins made 56 threes from the four spot, and all of yep. them were over the second half of the year. He changed the offense. Like You could say the 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 offense changed so yep. much because of what they were doing with Cassius, but a lot of it was suddenly having a pick-and-pop um, four-man who, you know, could – was smart enough to always find yeah. his footing. You know, his footwork was was great in terms of setting his feet and, and catching and firing, and, and he played with so much confidence, and he was such a good, reliable defender. And, oh, by the way, you know, averaging almost double-digit rebounds a game, like, you're not just going to replace that. So um, there's a definite hole at the four spot. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Thomas right. Kithier is your day-one starter and it eventually evolves into a Malik Hall. But... Um, am I? You tell me if I'm crazy on this, right? So, day of the first practice, Tom Izzo comes out and says, mm-hmm. "Oh yeah, hey, by the way, we put in a waiver request for uh, Joey Hauser for immediate eligibility. He's probably not going to get it." And then he just kind of went yeah. on. And I'm sitting there, like, why is that an assumption? And, like, are we not – like, is that not a potentially huge story if Michigan State just randomly gets Joey Hauser for this year? <laughs> well, what, whatever's in the waiver request. Why doesn't, why doesn't he public. think he's going to get it? It's not public. Why doesn't he think he's going to get so, it? Um, he just thought it was weak or whatever? Whatever claim they are making. Right. He's your, I mean, he's your day. He's your day one starter without a doubt. I mean, that would be a big deal. Yeah, obviously, yes. <laughs> That's not. Yeah, yes. I mean, he would be. He'd be yeah. Kenny Goins. That plus. was a huge get. I mean, everybody wanted that guy. <laughs> and so, if he was immediately eligible, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that's and and yes, that would be a big deal. Uh, but it's also kind of like I don't want to get oh, too far into the. Love it. I don't want to become like our buddy Sean Windsor here and get and get all <laughs> philosophical on the mixture and chemistry and the exact, but I mean, there's a point to that kind of conversation, right? And Sean always talks about that, uh, which is why I brought him up. But it's like, when you take a Goins and a McQuaid out of the equation, those guys made some massive, well, who, who not who just in volume, they made court? some massive shots. Ke- in Kenny like Goins making a right? three-pointer so over they, Zion friggin' Williamson. Th- those guys got him. To, I mean, yeah, right. So, they just came and showed up every day at the end for the last month and a half and were just dudes all the way through. They had no – anytime they were asked to do something, they did it. And when when they stopped doing it is when they lost in the in the Final Four. So when you take those guys out of there, and that's why this is important, mm-hmm. and that's why, you know, I bring up I – mean, you, you bring it up as an overrated – or not an – it's probably an underrated uh, mm-hmm. topic of conversation, mm-hmm. and I always bring up Sean because Sean loves mm-hmm. the – those types of you know, situations where we don't talk about them enough, but they are important. And so do you trust Thomas Kithier to, you know, make some of these shots? Do you trust whoever is going to yes. fill in for, I guess maybe it's Langford who, who would take McQuaid's spot or was it somebody else? Do you trust these guys to say, Hey man, you're yeah. going to have to go out there I mean, in the McQuaid, championship McQuaid game against Michigan. We need you to hit like six of these, just like daggers. Yeah. That's not, that's not <laughs> nothing, man. <laughs> Yeah, just just be a complete monster, please. Would you do that for me? Uh-huh. I mean, that is, and it and it's something that it took Matt McQuaid four mm-hmm. years to get to that point. 
that guy as a junior is never making those shots. As a sophomore, he's never making those shots. And so those are mm-hmm. when you have when you're a senior filled team and you're taking two seniors out of it. I mean, that's not nothing. I mean, they've got talent, but those are important yeah, and things that are going to have to be kind of monitored. I think. Put it this way, I mean, at least, at least early on. <laughs> Sean, Sean would be really proud of me for this. By the way, I hope Sean's listening. I, I would you'd say be proud that know, I'm a guy like Langford, that I'm noting these as long as he is uh, these important situations considerably healthy. And I think he's got a really good mindset going into the year in terms of a different thinking differently about what is yeah. his best version of himself. And that means shot selection, decisions with the ball. Um, if, if anyone reads the quotes from the story I wrote, I don't know what day, Monday or something like that. Like if you're a Michigan State fan, you should get pretty excited because if, if Joshua Langford is the yeah, player that he good. described – in that story, then it's like, oh, my God, you know, it'll be glorious. Yeah, I mean, he would just be tremendous because, you know, him as a, They're going 40 and a Spock yeah. shooter would just be, could be an assassin, you know. Um, it's the problem when he takes his one dribble step up, crosses over the yeah. line, and you're just pulling your hair out of your head yeah. saying that's just such a low efficiency shot, whatever. Um, I have, pr- but as long as he's healthy, I, I would be feel pretty good about Langford stepping into that two spot, and he's backed up by Rocket Watts, who's uh, potentially just an electric player. Um, yeah. And the four spot, I have no idea. I, I, I like. I feel like there's so much talent on the team um, mm-hmm. that if the four spot is a very serviceable Thomas Kithier, who knows how to rebound, knows how to defend, knows how to move the ball out of the top of the post, uh, can score some garbage points, can can roll to the basket, catch the ball, and convert at the rim. Like, he can he do can all a, that stuff. Like, that's fine. Yeah. That's more than enough. Um, plus, you know, maybe a Malik Hall emerging, or even a Gabe Brown stretching it out and and giving them a very different look if he's at the four. Yeah, man. Like, they just got bodies. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, I forgot they're about They're really freaking good. <laughs> Jeez, they're just... They're just oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah it's right. going to be a lottery pick. And we haven't even mentioned uh, Aaron Henry. Aaron Henry, who with a good year, with uh-uh. a good year is going to be in the lottery. I mean, like, that's that's a thing. So, not a lot of holes uh, on that team. Um, and it's easy to see why maybe is. I mean, obviously he's older and maybe he's more comfortable with his... I don't know why he wouldn't have been more comfortable with this position five years ago or whatever, but that's whatever. Uh, but it's easy to see why. I mean, they're just, yeah, they're, if they're not number one they're or great. number two, that's uh, it'd be shocking when the whole thing starts. And I think that would be pretty accurate, I think a consensus there. But all right, we're going to take a quick break here, uh, and then we'll come back on the other side with the subscriber portion of the show. If you're a subscriber, you'll get this whole thing. Also, I want to say before we get going, if you are a subscriber, and you all should be a subscriber, Listen to the show in the app, in the Athletic app. I got a lot of questions, um, you know, about I want to listen to this in iTunes, I want to listen to this and whatever, and you can only listen to half of it in iTunes or in Spotify or whatever else you find it. Listen to the whole show in the app. The bottom right corner of the app yes, is an icon that. that you can push, and it'll bring up a podcast player. You'll get the whole thing right there, right? So subscribe to The Athletic, rate the podcast, <laughs> subscribe to The Athletic, don't be cheap, right? <laughs> don't be a bum. <laughs> pay for good content because this is good content not just with us but everybody else james edwards just wrote a story today about the damn pistons teal jerseys yeah. awesome that was outstanding was so if, born, if nothing else born to write that story buy it, it was, for that i mean that was like literally you know, worth the, price the second he Amazing came in stuff. as like the pistons beat writer oh yeah money story all the way through <laughs> 
I felt like James like maybe was like tearing up as he was like hitting send on the tweet. Like like just like an emotional release. Like oh, finally. I got this thing done. An amazing, awesome. amazing tale. Uh, but check back. Uh, if And those of you who do not subscribe, you will be missing our listener voicemails on the second half of the show, which is going to be a good time. So. Yeah, we'll get into those too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll take a quick break, and uh, we'll come back to this on the other side. I seen hard times all my days. 